Wait, we have breaking news. Oh, wait a minute. Offensive coordinator search. My goodness. I had Twitter up. I had Twitter up this entire time, and nothing is happening. And all of a sudden, you see the breaking news, and I missed the damn breaking news. So, this is out of left field, Greg. Mm-hmm. Tom Pelissero of the NFL Network reports that Alex Van Pelt is the Patriots' new offensive coordinator. The Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles, and we're off late this week here. Greg, straight from Mobile, Alabama, Senior Bowl. He's back in New England. He's got a lot of stuff to talk about. We'll get to all of it, but first... I remind you, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. New customers, join today, and you get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Greg, as we always do, let's start with some headlines here. And Bill Belichick, Dan Quinn was announced as the new head coach down in Washington. Josh Harris hiring his first head coach as the owner of the Washington Commanders. So, obviously, it's not Bill Belichick. Belichick officially shut out during this hiring cycle. Just your thoughts on Washington going with Quinn and Belichick being unemployed as we speak. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's stunning that we're talking about Bill Belichick and Mike Vrabel both not being <clears throat> an NFL head coach next year. Um, it really is. I mean, it looked like it was going this way for a while, but still, at the end of the day, it's still – stunning to me and that's my overall reaction to it um you know as diana rossini reported today uh the commanders did have contact with belichick he diana reported that uh there was some support for belichick in some reaches of the organization but at the end dan quinn uh won out i was hearing similar which is why i mentioned the commanders uh in the middle of my appearance on felger and maz uh let's just say the Apple watch was going, um, during the appearance. <laughs> and, uh, <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, I, I it, it's look, uh, I think, I think everybody, all these new coaching hires are going to be me- measured against Belichick and Vrabel. Um, and I think that's fair. I mean, I, I don't, the only thing I can conclude Nick, and I wonder how you feel about it is, these are two big personas. These are two guys who, um, regardless of whether it's correct, certainly in in Belichick's case, we know. We know the way that he's done things for over 20 years. Vrabel, I think it's more of outward appearances, rumor-mongering about what's happened in Tennessee with John Robinson being fired. Then Rand Carthon comes in. Vrabel only stays for a year. There's They, they didn't mesh. What does that mean? Does that mean that Vrabel's tough to work with? You know, all those sort of rumors where it seems like NFL owners now sort of, you know, they want, I don't know, they sort of want happy. They want happy-go-lucky. They want everybody to get along (laughs) and everything to be wonderful and painting little clouds and little trees, giving the Bob Ross treatment. And at the end of the day, you know, this isn't tiddlywinks. This isn't paint by numbers. This is the NFL. This is the National Football League. And Bill Belichick and Mike Vrabel both have, 
outstanding track records of being winners, about knowing what it takes for an organization to win and go forward, and that so many NFL teams decided that wasn't for them. It's stunning to me, and quite frankly, I think it's pretty stupid. Look, there's no denying that Mike Vrabel and Belichick, if you look at those two guys, they are the most proven and they are the most, you know, talented of the coaches as far as what we know. And so I, I can't look at this outside looking in. I can't look at this and say this is an indictment on their coaching. It's the other stuff. And I, I don't know how much it is, you know, Belichick is tough to get along with and all of those things. I think with Belichick, the Atlanta stuff, the fact that he still wanted to run things his way, I think that could be an issue. And I would imagine that people in Washington, the people that were okay and open to the idea of Belichick being the guy to coach that team, were more open to the idea of him having a big time say in personnel and how things ran. And some of the other people that did not have the same feelings as those people were concerned about, well, you know, they just went 4-13 and in New England. He wants all the power. He's older than 70 years old. I think that plays a role, and I think you're right about Vrabel. You know, the, the stories about Rand Carthon and, and what actually happened. I don't think Vrabel is talking to many people because I have not seen many reports about Vrabel's side of that. It, it's all come across as Tennessee talking, Tennessee trying to justify letting Vrabel go, and now they bring in you know Brian Callahan. Who knows what he's going to do? So I, I think it comes down to personnel, personnel control, how much say these guys want in organizations wanting to run the operation from top on down in a different way. And so you've got to find a team that Bill and Vrabel are willing to work with, willing to acquiesce at times, and those teams accepting some of Vrabel and Bill's terms. That That's kind of how I see it. I, I, it's obvious it's not down to coaching here. Yeah, without question. I mean, I think when you talk about game management and, and look at what happened in the games this past weekend, the conference championship games, um, namely Dan Campbell and how he handled, uh, uh, you know, whatever their lead was, uh, 20, 17 points at halftime in that game and how he handled things after that. And you just look at it and you're like, there's no way that happens to a Bill Belichick or Mike Vrabel coach teams. I mean, those we're talking about two of the best game managers in the game today, where even you could say, based on the playoff game that the Titans had with the Patriots, uh, that Vrabel might have passed Belichick ever so slightly in terms of exploiting loopholes and the rules and things like that and working the game to his favor. It's I, I, I completely agree with you. This is not about coaching. I just think that both guys, when they interview with these these owners and the people around the owners, and, and these are the people that wield most of the power, especially when you're talking about Atlanta with, you know, Rich McKay and um, and other people there that had the ear of the owner who are always with the owner day in and day out for years. And, you know, certainly Bill is Bill. And, you know, Mike Rabel is one of these guys that if you ask him a question, he's not going to be shy about, about it. He's not going to give you the PC answer. He's going to yeah. tell you what you need to hear, whether you want to hear it or not. And there's a lot of people in those positions that don't want to hear that. They want, they want, and I think you could even make the extension to this point with the Patriots, with Robert Kraft and how they they went this route with Gerard Mayo. I think, I think Robert Kraft and Jonathan Kraft uh, had had their fill of 
the difficult head coach, the the powerful head coach who basically told you, you know, you don't know whether the ball's puffed or stuffed, so keep your nose out of football, where now I think the, the crafts, I think, and we see this a lot in sports, Nick, and you know this as, as well as anybody, but you see this in sports where you go from, say, a, uh, a dictator-type head coach to all of a sudden they go to the other side with a player-type head coach, and then they keep, you know, vacillating. I think that the crafts got to the point where they're just like, like, I don't want it to be hard anymore. I want it to feel like it's my team. I don't want to feel like an outsider. I want a, I want a head coach who's who's going to keep me updated, who's going to call me thunder and stuff like that. Whereas, you know, <laughs> Bill Bill's blowing snots at me, you know, if I ask him what the weather is and how it's going to affect the game that day. So uh, I, I think this is a this is sort of a change in the NFL landscape where I think owners are after more, I mean, look, their their investments are worth billions at this point. I think they want to have a little bit more fun. Let's not get it twisted, though. And, and I know you're not saying this, but the fact is Belichick opened the door for the Crafts to make this move. We, we, we've talked about mm-hmm. everything ad nauseum, the personnel moves, the mishandling of the quarterback position before Mac Jones and the 20-plus transactions at that position this past season. All of that stuff allowed the door to open to push Bill out of that door. And I think other people across the league are looking at it saying, yeah, we're shutting the door on Bill because we we don't want to open the door for him to run this operation because if you look at this, Greg, and and I don't want to go too far off the path because we have a lot to cover today, but really I'm not going to sit here and tell you that everything has gone perfect over the past few weeks for the Crafts and for Mayo and all of that stuff. But honestly – the reality of the situation is that Belichick, for all of that we heard he wanted to leave this organization in great shape, he left this situation in the middle of a bleep show. That's just a fact. I mean, he left them with this offense that is a disaster, with no true quarterback to rely on, with a coaching staff that did not have the next answer in line, a front office that you know kowtowed to him for most of the time, so a lot of what we're seeing is the shrapnel from the Bill Belichick era. That, that's just a fact. It's a fact. The guy that made the decisions. So I think it's part of that. And I'd also say, as far as you know, the overcorrection stuff, it's similar to a presidential election. People will say, after four years in the office from somebody, the next president is likely going to be the opposite of that guy or woman one day, hopefully, down the road. And, you know, it's just kind of human nature after you've gone through a period with somebody that you you go to somebody who's much, much different the next time around. And it does feel like the crafts are doing that. Yep. All right, let's jump to the uh, Philadelphia Eagles because there have been some uh, rumors, some whispers about Bill Belichick possibly going to the Eagles if Nick Sirianni fails. What are you hearing about that, Greg? And, And is it legit, that talk? Yeah, so this was um, – I brought this up on Felger and Maz the other day that, uh, you know, of course, going to these things, Senior Bowl, Combine, oftentimes the football is secondary. I mean, luckily, you know, my, Giardi came with me, so Giardi concentrated on the football, and I could sort of delve into, you know, what's being said and reactions to things around the league. And, um, you know, there's a lot of rumor-mongering. When you get a lot of agents, personnel execs, coaches and media members 
all in one place with a lot of barbecue and a lot of liquor, uh, a lot of things get said. And so probably <laughs> the like juiciest. Time, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's not bad. Um, and the weather was beautiful. Um, a little bit uh, too good for me because this moron forgot suntan lotion the first oh, day nice. and got torched in the aluminum bleachers. Uh, yeah. I looked like I was, uh, I was a New Englander going to spring training. Like all I needed was uh, <laughs> socks and flip-flops. But anyways, uh, so the the juiciest rumor I heard almost like upon landing in, in Mobile was that um, the Eagles were had been sniffing around Bill Belichick uh, in the in in the likelihood or what have you if they if they ended up crap canning Nick Sirianni, similar to like they did with Doug Peterson. And remember when Peterson got hired, who won them a Super Bowl, by the way, yeah, um, it was reported that he was going to be back. And then all of a sudden he had his meeting with Lurie and Howie Roseman and they wanted staffing changes. He said no. And they said, you're fired. And Nick Sirianni went into this. There were already staffing changes being made, people being fired. And so obviously Nick Sirianni went the route of whatever you guys want, I'll do. <laughs> Yeah. And he looked like a deer in headlights at his press conference with Howie Roseman. Uh, it looked like almost like a hostage video. And so Nick agreed to whatever they wanted to. So he stayed, he got a stay of execution. Now, from what I understand and what I believe, sort of piecing things together. Uh, remember, I told you that teams had already reached out to Bill before the end of the season. We're back channeling things with him. I think that undoubtedly one of the teams that did that was the Falcons. I now believe the other team was the Eagles. I firmly believe that. I think uh, Bill has a very good relationship with Howie Roseman. He respects Jeffrey Lurie. Um, they were going down the toilet. They were in a free fall that looked like there was no answer to it. There ended up not being an answer to it. Um, I think Howie is one of these guys who plans ahead. He has a lot of different options. Uh, for example, bringing Matt Patricia on, from what I understand, everybody there thinks that was a complete Howie Roseman production, including the swapping out of Sean Desai and putting Matt Patricia in place to call defensive uh, plays down the stretch. Uh, a lot of people think that was that was all Howie. And uh, so it would not surprise me if Howie reached out with what was going on with the Patriots and through back channels or what have you sort of, you know, wanted to see if Bill would be open to that. I think he, he would be people who know Bill think that he would be open to that. And so uh, right now it's not happening, but I do think that Bill Belichick um, sitting out a year, a lot of his people think that it's not about, it's not about the jobs that are open now. It's more about the jobs that are open next year. Um, this was early in the process when it looked like the Falcons weren't going to happen. So, you know, you're looking at the prospects of the Cowboys. Jerry Jones comes out and says this week, there's no doubt in his mind that he could work with Bill. Um, I'm sure Mike McCarthy liked that comment. Uh, the Eagles are on the table, and you never know. Teams like Buffalo, other teams like that, teams that are close, teams that have talent, that that just want to be pushed over the top and aren't looking for 5, 10, 15 years down the road. You know, the, the Eagles, have we seen over the years, they are not afraid of change and rapid change and swapping out coaches. So I could totally see Howie Roseman and Jeff Lurie being like, sure, we have a really good roster. Let's bring Bill in for two to three years, put us over the top, and if we got to reset, we got to reset. We don't care. We just want that Super Bowl title. 
I would love to be a fly on the wall with everything going on right now and Belichick getting passed over, losing out on that Atlanta job, uh, the Washington stuff not going his way. We know that Bill loves being in control, and his future is not in his control. And as much as we talk about, oh, he could have this lined up, he could have that lined up, I thought he was going to Atlanta. I was squawking that it it seemed like it was only a matter of time. That was a big-time swing and a miss. We thought Vrabel might end up in New England. Then we found out that, no, the succession plan was actually written into Gerard Mayo's contract. A lot of things can change in a year, man, and you don't know what you don't know. And it'll be interesting to see what happens with these teams. Who is going to be the next sexy hire? I mean, we all thought going into this offseason that Bobby Slowick and Ben Johnson would be two head coaches in 2024. Both guys are returning. So, we, I mean, we could sit here and we can throw darts, and I'm sure that right now in this moment, Belichick might have the inside track on one, two, or three jobs if things fall a certain way, but we don't know if that's going to happen. And frankly, he's going to be another year older. So it'll be it'll be very interesting to see how things play out. All right, we're going to talk about Jeremy Springer. We've got to talk about the Patriots down at the Senior Bowl and a lot of other things. But first, Greg wants to talk about our friends at FanDuel. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets. Which players will score a touchdown? How many points will be scored? And so much more. New customers join today and you get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash Boston to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash Boston. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 800 800- 327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. All right, let's get to Jeremy Springer, uh, the new special teams coordinator for the Patriots, Joe Judge, Cam Acord, likely gone. And uh, let's just let's start there before we get to uh, Covington or did you get to Covington? I'm guessing you got to Covington earlier in the week. I missed earlier in the week. Uh, I did not do a pot earlier in the week, but you know, so we could talk. Okay. On it. I mean, look with, with, um, with DeMarcus, um, look, we've talked about him for a while. I think he, in terms of his unit, he's been one of the best coaches, if not the best positional coach on the Patriots staff. Uh, I think he's great at what he does. I think this is a deserved promotion. Uh, I don't mind them not, you know, really looking outside, why should they? There's going to be a lot of continuity. I mean, the head coach played in this system, helped run this system. Uh, so why wouldn't they keep the system? And hopefully you get a bunch of guys back, and hopefully this allows the the defense to pick up where they left off. So, um, you know, I'm excited about the, the, the Covington hire. I, I think he definitely deserved this. What's interesting to me, Nick, is – um, it's funny, I, you know, we heard reports that the Belichick bros 
were welcome back <laughs> if they wanted to. Of course, this is before when everybody thought Bill was going to leave and they might have gone with them. And we talked about, you know, is that the best thing for them? Right. So, but let me get this straight. So Steve Belichick has been offered a chance to return. He called the defensive plays since Brian Flores left the last four years. So he's being welcomed back while DeMarcus Covington is the defensive coordinator who we assume is going to call plays. And Steve's going to do what? Coach linebackers? Like, I don't know how that works. I don't know how you can it's, – it's sort of talking out of both sides of your mouth. Yeah, they're, they're welcome back, but, you know, he's got to go pick up a pail and, like, I don't know, mop the floors or something like that. I don't, I don't understand how that works. But Jerry, Jeremy Springer – I want to call him Jerry Springer. I know. Uh, Jeremy Springer, assistant Rams special teams coach last two years. Before that, he, he headed up units in college for a while don't know much about him and this is even gonna this is even gonna be my opinion when they get the offensive coordinator hired done and we're gonna talk about that whenever that happens um we shall see I don't know anything about these guys I know the uh NFL people like him the Rams people like him the operative word around him is green that he's very green he hasn't run his own NFL unit that's a whole different thing um but look they hired him. Gerard Mayo hired him. Now we get to grade his, his, his picks just like we get to grade draft picks. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, as far as the, the Covington stuff and the Steve Belichick stuff, I go back to what Mike Reese wrote, this idea of Steve Belichick being a senior assistant head coach or a senior advisor to the head coach. I don't know if, you know, Mayo was just trying to look at this and and tweak some some roles and tweak some titles so he could try to have the guys that he trusts the most. See, Belichick is obviously close with Gerard. He's also close with DeMarcus. He told the media this past year that, you know, we're friends on the field, but I also consider him a good friend off the field. So it seems like those guys are pretty close. Could they make it work? I have no idea. As far as Jeremy, not Jerry Springer, by the way, Jerry Springer, RIP, rest in power, my friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I have no idea here, here's what irritates me is like some of these two things irritate me about the Jeremy Springer stuff that I've seen. And, and look, it's probably a Twitter minority, so it is what it is. But number one, the Rams being last in DVOA last year in special teams has almost nothing to do with Jeremy Springer. If you're putting that on an assistant special teams coach, what are we doing? Uh, they have a bunch yeah. of UDFAs. Joe, Joe Houston sucked for the Patriots, too, while you're yeah, at yeah. I mean, I mean, you look at this and you had a bunch of DV, uh, a bunch of UDFAs on that team. They're rebuilding the roster. They had two or three different kickers there this season. They had a rookie punter, and everybody's like, "Oh yeah, you got rid of Joe Judge and Cam Acord. You you got somebody better who ran the worst unit." And that's silly. Number two, if you're gonna pass judgment on Jeremy Springer, but you didn't have any names as far as OC candidates three weeks to a month ago, I'm not taking you seriously. I'm just not going to have it like it. People love doing this, Greg, and it's one of my pet peeves that they love telling you, oh, that's a terrible hire. Oh, my God, I can't believe. And when you go back at them and you say, well, who would you hire? Well, I don't know. That's not my job. What are we doing here then? I mean, how can you how how can you in one moment criticize a hire, but you don't have any ideas on who could be better? You don't have any names. So we don't know. We don't. We all talk about these names and this guy's going to be great and that guy's going to The fact is is we have no freaking clue. We don't know. 
We don't know if Jeremy Springer is going to be a great special teams coordinator or be awful. What I can tell you is there's nothing that tells us either one of those things. So we'll see. All right, as far as the Patriots at the Senior Bowl, what'd you see, what'd you hear? So um, saw Matt Groh and Pat Stewart um, had a good conversation um, with those gents. Good to see them. Um, not exactly anything earth-shattering coming out of them. Uh, nobody definitely wanted to be quoted or anything like that. Uh, I did see Cameron Williams and a bunch of uh, of the scouts there. So they were fully staffed as much as the Patriots can be there. Elliot Wolf was not there. Um, from what I understand, he's helping Gerard Mayo fill out his staff. And plus, as of right now, just in general, it seems like from talking to people, the Patriots personnel department is conducting, they, they're doing business as usual, just like if Bill Belichick was there. Uh, Matt Macro was, is director of player personnel. Um, right now he's running the department. I do think it's been sort of split. And I think, I think the Patriots already sort of did this under Belichick where Elliot Wolf was more heading pro personnel, which would be getting ready for free agency, which is uh, coming extremely soon. Uh, I just wanted to update people just to give them a sense of the timing as we talk about all this stuff. Uh, from today, deadline to franchise a player is 33 days away. The start of free agency with legal tampering is 39 days away. And the Patriots will have players in the building waiting to hear the new direction on offense, defense, and special teams, playbooks, and all that stuff 60 days from today on April 1st because if you hire a new head coach, you get in two weeks before everybody else. So the clock is starting to tick um, loudly. But from what I understand, uh, Wolf is heading up pro personnel, getting ready for free agency and all that stuff. The whole personnel department is going to have input on that. Same with the coaches whenever they hire coaches. Um, and um, Grow and Pat Stewart. Pat Stewart sort of swings in between with his experience, but he was in Mobile um, helping the Patriots out. And so uh, that's the lay of the land with the personnel department to them. It's not a big deal what's going on. I know there's a lot of panic on the outside and are they going to hire somebody and are they going to interview with people? Are they going to bring in a GM, vice president of player personnel? What are they doing? It doesn't seem like they're doing it. It doesn't seem like anybody is antsy that somebody might come in over the top. I think this is what you're going to get through the draft and then they might reset and take a look at things. As far as the senior bowl and who's down there. So what I gather from you is, there's really not a whole hell of a lot of change. And so we would imagine that there's not going to be much impact. Like, is there any, any tangible impact that the Patriots senior bowl involvement in scouting could be impacted in a bad way because of what's happening or no, nah, I mean, what, what it is, what it is. These guys have their roles. It's the same thing as the last few years. And it's, it's really not a detriment in any kind of way. Um, I wouldn't say there's any, you know, big negative. Now you you are missing the big man over the top who um, dictates and has been watching film, and you know, Bills running you know college draft meetings every Friday during the season and keeping up, and you know he's doing his work on that. So he might be asking or telling people like, "Hey, look at this guy more closely up close." Um, but in general, my sense is. Uh, there, 
as far as the way the Patriots do things. Now, it's a whole separate discussion and something that I wrote about for BSJ today. Um, Is this what they should be doing in the first – the first iteration of the Patriots after Belichick should they, they just be doing business as usual with the smallest scouting staff in the league, the smallest coaching staff in the league, uh, a lack of an analytics department, like all that stuff. Like obviously that they're not addressing that. So that that's a separate topic, but in terms of what they have traditionally done, um, no, I don't think they're falling behind. I mean, I do think that the scouts, my sense is the scouts would like a direction on offense sooner rather than later. Uh, but still, at the end of the day, Nick, uh, you know, you, the offenses, especially what they're doing at the Senior Bowl, it's kind of generic. Um, they do a little bit of everything, even a little RPO with the Patriots did, even with Bill O'Brien, even with Josh McDaniels a little bit from time to time. Uh, I, I think that uh, it's not a huge concern in terms of, direction but you know they they are just looking for good football players and that's what they always do they certainly know their record they certainly know where the roster is and they need to do they know they need to do better in that department so I think that's that's what they're focused on and I don't think that really changes I want to go back to the introductory press conference of Mayo and Kraft said at the time that somebody will be put in place before the key decisions are made. And he also said that we will know who that person is. Number one, Greg, I think it's very important that we keep Robert Kraft to his word. And we have to keep an eye on this. And before free agency, we best have somebody in that spot and we best know who that person is because that's what Kraft told us will happen. So we need to hold him accountable on that. With that said, Elliot Wolf is back here with Mayo. He is helping with the the interview process with the offensive coordinator candidates. Should we take that as Wolf's the GM? He doesn't have the title. It hasn't been told to us. There has been some reporting that he could be the leader. But do we look at this and just say, does it matter at the end of the day? Does it really matter if Wolf is doing that job when he people say he's qualified and the biggest thing is that nobody has necessarily told us directly that he's doing the job right now. Uh, do I think it's a Do I think it's a big deal that we don't know that quite yet, and the way it looks? Um, no, I, I don't think it's a big deal, and I th- I do think it's somewhat in limbo. But look, I, that doesn't really concern me, Nick. What does concern me is, and and, and I had NFL people asking me this stuff, you know, watching the practices and talking to people, they're like, who's making the decisions over there? Like yeah. at some point in time, they have to have a primary football executive. I mean, somebody has got to decide who they're franchising. Are they franchising a Are they franchising Hunter Henry? Are they not using the franchise tag? You know, at some point by early March, somebody has to be making those calls. Somebody has to have final say, you know, let alone the draft and, Who's, you know, who's going to be extending the, the, the contract offers to the guys they want to resign from their own teams or free agents out there. Like it's gotta be somebody you would think it would be Elliot Wolf because he has a lot more uh, experience in that, that realm from what he did with the Packers and the Browns. Uh, But, you know, we'll have to see that might be sort of switching roles for, for grow and, and, and Wolf and, and how well that go over with, with, uh, uh, macro. So somebody's, you're right. Somebody's got to have the final say. That's what I'm more concerned about. 
Yeah, I'm with you. It has to happen, and we've got to know who that person is before the decisions are made because we need to keep that person accountable. Who has the final say? What was the final say? Did it work? Did it not work? That's how we keep the scoreboard, right, with these guys. That's how we know. Yep. And we, we've we had a lot of dancing around with Belichick there over the last few years. I would love some transparency. I would love some clarity. I'm not going to go too nuts yet, though, because, again, Kraft gave us a timeline. He said before these key decisions have to be made. So I'm giving him that time. But if we get there late February, early March, creeping towards free agency, and we don't hear anything, then I think, as I said, hold his feet to the fire. Then I get worked up about it. Then then I'm sitting there saying, wait a minute, what the hell's going on? Because well, if, I, Nick, if I Wolf will is say, doing it. Uh, go ahead. Finish your thought. No, I was just going to say, if Wolf is doing it, then I'm fine. I, I'm fine. Like if, if he's going to be doing the job, I've been told by many people, including you on this podcast, that Wolf is qualified. People like him, all of those things. If he's the dude, cool, cool. And if you're not telling me right now on February 1st, whatever, that that's, that's your, that's your deal, but you need to tell us at a certain point. Yeah. And without question, I think by league rule, the Patriots have to name a primary football executive, which is viewed as the general manager. Like you don't have to give him the title, but that's the way it's viewed in terms of can somebody block an interview request or, you know, can somebody leave for another job? Like they can't, if you're the primary football executive, you can't, you can't talk to another team without permission. They can't, you can't leave for a lateral move. So that there is such thing as a secondary football executive, but that's not mandatory. Not every team has to have one of those. But every team has to, at the end of the day, I think before the league year starts, they have to name a primary football executive who is in, who is basically the de facto general manager, who is deciding all football moves or has the final say. And it's going to be fascinating to see who it is. I think it's going to be Elliot Wolf at the end of the day. But could it be Gerard Mayo? Could it be Jonathan Kraft? Could it be Pat Stewart? Could it be Elliot Wolf? Could it be Matt Groh? Like, it's got to be somebody and i don't think anybody in the building really knows what direction it's going are we privy to that information um is it is it publicly shared or is that something that we'd have to get reported out i think it would have to get reported out but i think if if we ask um the league office they could they, they might let us know on background uh, who that person is but i could tell you what um, Stacy James should get his email ready because um, very shortly I will be sending an email to him every single day asking who the primary football executive is. Love it. All right, let's get to the uh, OC search. Nick Cayley, let's start with him. Kind of interesting. Um, I said this on my podcast today, the Nick Cattle Show pod, if you want to check it out. Over 100 episodes. Uh, so lots of episodes already. But I, I said this on go. the pod. It's kind of weird. I think I said it yesterday or the day before. So everybody was saying, oh, Kaylee's the leader in the clubhouse. And I know Andrew Callahan wrote last night for the Herald that said he's the first finalist for the job. I don't know what that means. If he was, well, Callahan said on Boston Sports Tonight last night that that just means that he's pretty much, you know, out of all the people that I've interviewed, he's the guy that's, you know, made it the furthest and he's kind of seen as the favorite or whatever. Is that, um, is that like the first dude or the, the first, <laughs> what is it? What, the, the first husband or something? Anyways, yeah, go ahead. So what I find interesting, though, is like, okay, if Kaylee was the front runner last week, then why is he not the guy? 
Yeah. Why is it not done? I mean, it's a it's it's a uh, valid question. I heard Mike Reese um, ask that today on uh, Zolak and Bertrand, and uh, I'll tell you, you f- the word in Mobile, and um, is that Nick Haley has been telling people, and I don't know if this is before the Patriots job came up or what, but he was telling everybody how much he, he and his family have loved the L.A. and the Rams experience. Um, he has a young family, couple kids, young. Um, considering the winter up here, um, I can definitely see the appeal of that, especially if you can afford uh, any spot of real estate uh, out there um, with all the sunshine and all that. Uh, you know, so to me, there's a lot of things at play. I think that um, Kaylee, at the end of the day, is going to have to look at the situation and say, is this the right thing for me? Or is it the right thing for me to stay with Sean McVay if he'll have me and on a coaching staff that seems to get rated every year, you know, maybe there's a chance for me to step up there. You know, Zach Robinson is gone. Maybe I can become the pass game coordinator for Sean McVay. And who knows what that leads to probably a head coaching opportunity or, or, um, or a better offensive coordinator position. Um, I think there are very real family considerations that Nick Kelly came here and left and not much has happened, that leads me to believe that perhaps he isn't loving the opportunity. And it might not, again, it might not just be about the Patriots and Gerard Mayo and and what's on offense and who's the quarterback and stuff like that. It might just be the wife and family love it out there, and and I'm not going to hurt my career being on Sean McVay's staff. So why don't I just stay here for another year or two and see what's going on? So, yeah, it's uh, I would say it's concerning if that's – if he's the favorite in the clubhouse, I'm not a big Luke Getze guy. Uh, so I guess I would like um, Nick Cayley over Getze or whoever else they've talked to. But, uh, uh, yeah, I don't think it's great. Here's the unfortunate truth with this OC search. Number one, you kind of had to wait until the 22nd of January because the league has really kicked back all of these different things. And so – yep. You know, if you're Zach Robinson and you are friends with Raheem Morris and you worked with him in L.A. and you know that Raheem's going on head coach interviews, you're not going to make a decision until Raheem Morris is completely out of these head coaching uh, opportunities. So Robinson going to Atlanta to me is not an indictment on Mayo or the Patriots. It's that Robinson had his buddy go to Atlanta. He can call the plays. Atlanta offensively is much better off than the Patriots right now. So that made sense. Uh, Shane Waldron, again, you're kind of held back, Greg, to me with what has been left here. If you're Shane Waldron, you're looking at this, you go, okay, well, I know that's going to be Justin Fields or Caleb Williams. I'm going to be working with one of those two guys. And I'm sure during the interview process, Ryan Poles, the GM of the Bears, told Shane Waldron who they're leaning towards. Oh, wait, right? we have breaking news. Oh, wait on a minute. The offensive coordinator search. My goodness. I had Twitter up. I had Twitter up this entire time. And nothing is happening. And all of a sudden, you see the breaking news. And I missed the damn breaking news. So, this is out of left field, Greg. Mm-hmm. Tom Pelissero of the NFL Network reports that Alex Van Pelt is the Patriots' new offensive coordinator. I don't even think that Alex Van Pelt's name has been brought up. Um, 
<laughs> over, over the, and, and this is why I say all the time, we don't know what we don't know. I, I, I don't, maybe I'm wrong, but I've been keeping track of all of these names and I have not seen Alex Van Pelt's name brought up uh, with the Patriots. Again, I might be wrong on that, but Alex Van Pelt, I can tell you, former uh, Cleveland offensive coordinator, kind of, sort of. Uh, he left Cleveland after this year. Kevin Stefanski is the guy that really calls the plays for the Browns. So Alex Van Pelt um, is somebody who comes from Cleveland. And the interview, I just want to make sure that I'm right on this. Uh, and I see Mike Cadlick from EEI, who's all over this stuff, been keeping track of every interview, says an interview with Van Pelt was never reported. Now, the thing about Van Pelt, first, let's get your thoughts, Greg, because I got some thoughts. Um, there goes I Nick Haley. A, a, <laughs> yeah, I guess, guess it didn't work out. Um, Alex Van Pelt, I, I have a, you know, I think if I recall correctly, like, I don't know a ton about him. I mean, I know, I think he, he was connected to the Packers and Mike McCarthy for a while. Yes. Um, he was the, he was a running backs coach there for a couple of years. Then the quarterbacks coach, um, uh, 2014 to 2017, uh, the Browns, he got fired by Stefanski with the Browns after, um, four seasons there. I think he's more, I want to say he's more of a West coast guy. Um, you know, he was the bills offensive coordinator in in, uh, 2009, uh, guy fired from that. Uh, you know, I, uh, I wouldn't say this is if you were looking for Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, new direction where the rest of the league is going, that is not this higher. Now it's, I will say it's good in certain respects and better than say like a Nick Cayley in that, you know, he's a former NFL quarterback. He's touched co uh, quarterbacks. He, he knows how to develop quarterbacks, has experience with that. And considering where the Patriots are with not having a quarterback and, and in what direction they, they can go, that's promising. Um, but I will say when you, when you ask around the league about Alex Van Pelt or about offensive coordinators and guys who are, you know, really doing a really good job with scheme and, and are on the cutting edge, I wouldn't say that Alex Van Pelt is one of those people. So a couple of things. Was this a pivot? Was this not a pivot? Has he been involved within the, the plans the entire time? And uh, was not, you know, the name wasn't leaked out there for whatever reason? We don't know. We have no idea. Absolutely no clue. Um, when you think about Van Pelt, you mentioned it off the top, Greg. Quarterbacks, right? And this is somebody who played quarterback in the league and has been coaching since you know, 2006 with the Bills, in the vast majority of his time, really, in the league, going back to 08 when he was first-named quarterback's coach for the Bills. So you're talking about 16, 17 years of the vast majority of the time working with quarterbacks. And he's worked with a lot of good ones, obviously, um, being with Green Bay. And then he was also with, you know, Cincinnati before he, he went to Cleveland in 2020 to work with with those quarterbacks, including Deshaun Watson most recently. So he, he's got experience working with quarterbacks. And as you said, he is, he is not the Earhart Perkins offense. And I, I think a major sticking point, even if it was Nick Cayley, we had no idea what offense he was going to run. 
would he run the McVay offense because he was there last year, or would Kaylee be running the Josh McDaniels, you know, Bill O'Brien, Earhart Perkins, 20-plus years of what we've seen here? And I can only speak for myself, Greg. I don't know how you felt, but I wanted to move away from that system. So mm-hmm. the, the two things that I'm happy about with the Alex Van Pelt hire is that, A, former quarterback, long history of working with quarterbacks, and B, you're getting away from that damn offense. And you are going to, I think, bring in an offense that is easier on the players, which is very important, Greg, when we're talking about most likely drafting a young quarterback. The quarterback development and a system that that quarterback and the receivers that you're bringing in with all the turnover on that side of the football, this gives you a chance to get on the same page much, much quicker than if you were going to stick with that old system. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would say it's a positive in that regard. Um, you know, I, I, my fear is that he's – I hope he's not like one of these West Coast guys like McCarthy and those guys. There, there tends to be a problem with the verbiage. It's very long verbiage, not that the Patriots were – we're short. Um, you know, I, I just think the positives are he, he, he has a lot of experience. He's coached coaches and yeah, I mean, I think we can officially say that the Patriots, uh, offensive system is, is gone from here. It's extinct and they are moving in a different direction. And that can be, um, that can certainly be a positive, um, but yeah, there's going to be, uh, certainly a big proving ground and like, you know, look, Look, what we said with Jeremy Springer, even Demarcus Covington, even the the hire of Gerard Mayo, once it was made, you know, they made their choices. And now we get to sit back and watch. I'm not going to condemn them. They they have a lot. They've interviewed this guy. I haven't. Uh, I have. I don't really have an opinion on it. I mean, certainly I would have gone the Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay route if they were going to do this. Um, but. Uh, I'm not going to condemn them for it. This is why they get paid the big bucks, and and now they are judged by their choices. It's going to be interesting. I mean, again, this is out of you know left field. Nobody, I know one person actually posted to me on, on my uh, on my comment section for the podcast asking me about Alex Van Pelt. I don't know if that somebody knew something, but now I want to go track down that person <laughs> mm-hmm. and find out who they are and why they were asking me about that. Uh, Mike Giardi just tweeted out. And this is a really good point. Um, Van Pelt was in Green Bay when Wolf was in Green Bay. So there is that link mm-hmm. where, as I just mentioned this, Elliot Wolf has been involved with these interviews with Gerard Mayo. And this is another kind of feather in the cap for Elliot Wolf as far as making decisions or helping make these decisions because it's rather obvious with that history between Wolf and, and uh, Van Pelt that we're looking at that connection and it seems like Elliot Wolf is, is helping with this call, which again would lead you to believe that he is the, you know, de facto GM right now, Greg. Yeah. And, and what's also interesting and probably a good thing for the Patriots is that Elliot Wolf has a lot of experience looking for players to fit this West coast system. And somebody that I trust who, studies the Packers very closely, told me that Alex Van Pelt is old school West Coast, which I don't love, but it works. Works for Mike McCarthy. It works for Dax Prescott. Uh, Remember Andy Reid, before he added all the bells and whistles, that's really, he's old school West Coast offense. 
Um, it stood the test of time. And Elliot Wolf has a lot of experience getting exactly the guys that can play in this system. I, I, I think we're going to see a lot of zone running. I think we're going to see a lot of short play action. It is quarterback friendly. Um, and Wolf, like I said, has a lot of experience getting exactly what that scheme needs for the coach and the quarterback. Yeah, I mean, this is a system, to, to highlight what you just said, Greg, it's a system that when you look at what happened in Cleveland this year, they played like three or four different quarterbacks, and they still won 11 games. They were able to bring in different guys. I mean, look at what Joe Flacco freaking did <laughs> at the tail end of this season. This is a system that it's it's easy to learn. It's easy to run. And that is something that I think is vital to this operation. And, and here's one other thing that I will say. I give Gerard Mayo a lot of credit because, you know, a lot of people thought like, oh, he's going to go with what he knows and he knows, you know, McDaniels could be back or, you know, maybe it's Nick Cayley, maybe Gerard Mayo and Elliot Wolf interviewed a bunch of people. We knew of 11. Alex Van Pelt makes 12. Who else was interviewed that we don't know? No clue how many guys they interviewed, but they did exactly what people wanted them to do, Greg go outside of the building, cast a wide net, all the stuff we talked about not happening with head coach, they did it with OC. Whether or not it's going to work, we don't know. But I like the idea of simplifying the offense, bringing somebody in who has a long history of working with quarterbacks and has been a quarterback himself, has a history of calling plays, which was another concern of mine that everybody was going to have like no experience calling plays on this staff. Well, Van Pelt does have experience. Is he going to be good at it? <laughs> I don't know, but at least he has the experience to go off of, unlike Nick Cayley. So it's outside the building. It, it is a simplified offense. It's geared towards developing a quarterback. Let me ask you this. Does this make it much more likely now that we're looking at number three pick in the NFL draft in late April, the quarterback position? Yeah, I – I sort of hate talking in these generalities. Like I heard somebody the other day, somebody the other day asked me like, Oh, if they're interviewing Luke Getze, does that mean it's more likely that they're going to trade for Justin Fields? Um, no, I, I don't think that's paramount though. It's paramount is they tried to get the best offensive coordinator. Um, Alex Van Pelt is at least experienced, which is, you know, really good. Um, and like I said, he's, he's worked with quarterbacks, which is really good. Um, it certainly wouldn't hurt the prospect of drafting a very young quarterback, but I think that I think that they, at the end of the day, they needed to make this higher anyways. No matter what they were going to do, they needed somebody with experience, somebody that knew something about developing quarterbacks, and that they found in Alex Van Pelt. Now, it, you know, is he not going to get fired here, which he seemingly has gotten fired just about every place else? We'll have to see. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but uh, he he oh, has the bona fides. That. That's for sure. Oh man, that's funny. There, there, there is that. Uh, also, I'm just picking up some notes on, on you know, on the good old Twitter slash X machine as we go live here. But uh, another interesting point made, and let's not forget, like we're talking Shanahan, we're talking, you know, West Coast offense. This is kind of a, a Kubiak slash Shanahan system with you know Stefanski. That's what he runs in Minnesota, and and I mean ran in Minnesota and then ran in Cleveland as the head coach. So Van Pelt does have 
some, you know, some ideas as far as that goes. He has had ties with, with that kind of an offense. So will he rely more on that offense than we anticipate? Will, will he bring in a little bit more McVay? We'll have to wait and see. McVay changed kind of how the Rams run the football over the last couple of years because he noticed that defenses were being a little bit more successful against his offense. So he did tweak some things and change some things. So what is that going to do? Also, Greg, um, I, I saw a note here from Brian Hines of CLNS uh, and also does the uh, Pat's pulpit work. Luke Getze. Luke Getze, let's not forget, was on the Green Bay staff with Van Pelt. So we know yeah. that Luke Getze has been, you know, interviewed twice for the OC job. I don't think it's a crazy theory here that uh, you could see Alex Van Pelt, offensive coordinator, Luke Getze in another position. Yeah, I mean, I think you're going to see, you could see him as QB coach. Um you know, which he which he did at the Packers at, at, at a certain point in time. Um, you know, I, I would also think that uh, you could see a bunch of uh, if they're going to let him staff, if they're going to let Van Pelt staff, I could see a bunch of ex Packers uh, coaches being on the staff, including like James Campen, the offensive line coach, um, who mm. you know I, I've known for years, has a really good reputation, is a really good teacher, um, was there for the heyday of the Packers. Um, you know, just getting more pieces of information. Like, yeah, he's been in Stefanski's offense, and I'm sure he's picked up some uh, new trips for the bag, uh, new tricks for the bag. But um, he's really – Aaron Rodgers loved them. Aaron Rodgers loves the old-school West Coast offense. Uh, there's a reason why Rodgers loves them, why Rodgers loves Nathaniel Hackett. These guys are sort of dyed-in-the-wool, old-school um, West Coast guys. And – uh yeah, I'm just waiting for the first pass fan to be like, yeah, they're getting in Aaron Rodgers uh, uh, guys all together because then they're going to make a move to go get Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> all right, so those are our quick thoughts on Alex Van Pelt. We had a lot of other stuff to talk about, but obviously with the breaking news, uh, we are not going to get to that. I will say, well, let me ask you, not say it. When something like this happens, Greg, is there a little bit of you that's angry that you didn't break it? Like I'm just thinking about how hard no. all of you local guys have worked. And here comes Tom Palacero over the freaking top with with no. Alex Van Pelt. I, I don't really – I don't. I get what I can and sort of what's going on with the Patriots, but I, I'm under no illusions. I mean, this is always going to the national guys through their agents and stuff like that. They're all doing favors. Like, I, it, it bothers – like, I'm not, I'm not one of these beat guys like, you know, uh, like Mark and – and Andrew and these guys who are constantly like working this like every day and like check like no that's what I used to do when I was a beat writer I'm not a beat writer anymore to me I just want them to name a guy and then you know hey let's dig into the X's and O's uh let's start seeing them on the field um and let's go so no I I don't I don't care who breaks this it, do, it doesn't affect me at all I will just tell you that the early returns on the Van Pelt hire a lot of positivity um, from a number of people that I've seen on Twitter and X, and I'm talking about outside of the New England area. You know, Aaron Nagler just tweeted out, I love this dude, and quote quote tweeted uh, Palacero's tweet. And I've seen a, a number of people saying, great hire, smart hire. Uh, Mike Reese and, and uh, Mike Giardi, no, Mike Reese and Jeff Howe might have the same source because they posted pretty much the same exact thing. 
Quick intel on Alex Van Pelt. This is from Howe. West Coast system, as Greg has mentioned, but has versatility due to his background. Great person who can establish a positive offensive culture. Meanwhile, here's what Mike Reese posted just a minute ago. Most recently with the Browns, one source says, quote, great football mind, very relatable to players as a former player, unquote. Reese adds his system has been based in West Coast, but multiple influences. So it seems like whether this is coming from Van Pelt, whether it's coming from Cleveland, whether it's coming from the Patriots, it seems like the early push here is that, yes, he's from the West Coast. West Coast offense is pretty much the bread and butter, but he has other influences within his career that might be able to tweak this offense. So we'll see how it works out. I'm intrigued. Honestly, I'm intrigued. I was concerned, okay, Nick Cayley, if it's not Nick Cayley, who the hell is going to get this job? This is a guy who has interviewed for multiple offensive coordinator jobs. So he's in the circles. So how how does this look? We'll see. He also obviously has a lot of ties. You talk about networks, Greg. He's got a big network. He's worked in a billion places. There's good and there's bad. He's been fired a lot, I guess, but he, he knows a lot of people. So as you mentioned, offensive line coach, wide receivers coach, if you want, if you want to turn this staff over like all of us have wanted to on the offensive side, you get somebody who has been in the league for twenty plus years and knows a bunch of people. So, interesting. Breaking news again: We broke Vrabel's firing, Van yep. Pelt's hiring. This is what we do. Uh, before we bid you adieu, check Greg out. BSJ, fifty bucks for the year. Uh, Bedard, Giardi, all the fellas there. Also, this episode brought to you by FanDuel, exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. New customers get 150 bucks in bonus bets, guaranteed when you place a $5 bet uh, or more. That wins. That right? That doesn't sound right. Let me do that over again. How about this, FanDuel? <laughs> brought to you by FanDuel, exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. New customers, join today. You'll get $200 in bonus bets. If your first bet of $5 or more wins, Amit, help us out and uh, tweak that. Until next time, he's Greg, I'm Nick, and we're getting out of here.